Now, uh, for our pastoral prayer, as we cycle through the eight things, we're praying for you individually and for the church corporately. This week, we are on volunteers. So I invite those who are physically able to kneel as we pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, as we pray to you corporately today, we thank you for your great mercies, your goodness, and your love to us. And I pray that everyone here will experience your mercies and your love during this worship time. I pray that as we open your word, you will speak directly to each one. And I pray that our lives will be changed for eternity. And we want to ask your blessing upon those who serve in volunteer ministry here in the church. So many, many people giving their time, energy, effort, and resources to make things happen here in order to bless people. And we pray that you will bless them. We pray they'll not be serving an organization, but that they'll be serving you, and you will let them know that. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that if others want to get involved, or if you deem they should be involved, that they will find their niche, they will find their place, and they will find happiness in serving you. We thank you for your mercies, and we pray that we'll continue in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes you plan life. Sometimes life just happens. And sometimes when you plan, unexpected things happen. Last week at the end of the service, I had been speaking about spiritual gifts or walking in the spirit. And when I stood down in the front, for the closing song, a three-and-a-half-year-old girl named Zoe leaned forward and whispered into my ear, I know the fruits of the Spirit. And she repeated all nine fruits of the Spirit. So I said to her parents, is it all right if I take her up with me? And uh, I asked her, would she be willing to repeat those for the church? Life came to me. I had a plan, but sometimes the unexpected takes place. So I brought her up here. She was in my arms, beautiful little girl. And uh, I said, Zoe, tell the people what you told me a few minutes ago. She said, what is self-control? I didn't know what to do. I was totally wiped out. And so I said, you tell me. And she said, it's when I go potty by myself. <laughs> now, the difficulty for me was I had just announced I'd set the whole thing up please share with everybody what you shared with me. I wouldn't have brought her up to share that. 
her father was beaming and he said, I forgot to warn you, it's all in how you ask the question. <laughs> so I saw the family the next day and told Zoe, she's three and a half, I told her I have a goal in life now. That's to be healthy enough to do her wedding. Sometimes you plan life. Sometimes life just happens. And sometimes even when you plan, the unexpected happens. I would like to study that with you today in the life of Moses. Please turn to Exodus chapter 2. Moses has just murdered the Egyptian and we'll pick up the story in verse 15. Exodus 2, verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to Ruel their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moses. And she bore him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Let's read verse 15 again. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses is running for his life. Getting out of Egypt would require almost a miracle. If he went to the north, all those folks north and east of Egypt were allies with Pharaoh. He would be arrested and sent back. If he went straight east, he had to go through the towers that they had along the Egyptian border. Back in that time, they had towers that were tall, and they could be seen by each other, and they lined the entire eastern border. And with that terrain being flat and desert-like, the soldiers that monitored those towers could see any movement at all. It was impossible for someone to sneak up on Egypt. It was impossible for someone to leave Egypt without being seen. Moses' only hope was to be able to escape at night. So, with no provisions and with the sentence of death upon his head, he escaped at night. He goes to the wilderness area called the Land of Midian. We know it today as the Sinai Peninsula. 
along the eastern shore of the Red Sea. It says in verse 15 that he got there and he sat down by a well. And it reminds us of a story of his ancestor Jacob. When Jacob fled from Esau, he ran and ran and ran and then he sat down by a well. Moses knows that people will come to that well. He must be wondering what kind of people they will be. Who is it that he will meet? He fled without a definite plan. He was only wanting to save his life. He didn't know how he would make a living. He didn't know where he would end up. He just sat down by a well. And sometimes in life, we have a plan and we pursue it. If you're going to run a business, you have to have a plan. If you're going to get an education, you have to have a plan. If you're going to get your license in one of the trades, you have to have a plan. If you're going to move from one place to another, you have to have a plan. If you're going to incorporate healthy activity into your lifestyle, you have to have a plan, etc., etc., etc. But sometimes in life, we have no plan at all. We simply don't know what to do. And life comes to us. Not knowing what to do, Moses is in that circumstance. He is waiting. His number one priority is simply to survive at this point. And as he sits there by the well, we can only imagine what goes through his mind. He must have deep regret for how his life has turned out to this point. His situation was brought about by himself. His own choices caused him to be there. And surely he questions himself. Surely he questions life. Surely he has questions about family and likely even about God. All these things roll through his mind as he sat down by a well. Moses doesn't know it yet, but God had a plan for his life. And God had quietly and discreetly led Moses to this very well because it's at this well that Moses will find his future. Let's go to verse 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The priest of Midian, let's identify who this individual is. Hold your hand here, please, and go to the left to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25 is wrapping up the biography of Abraham. Abraham's first wife, Sarah, had died. Abraham will remarry. We read about that in verse 1 of chapter 25. Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Midian, or Midian, is the fourth son that Abraham has with his second wife named Keturah. So he, or the Midianites, would be relatives of the Israelites their family, their kin, if you spread it out a ways. And uh, this, let's go back to chapter 2, chapter 2 of Exodus, and it says that, uh, 
lost my place. The priest of Midian, verse 16, had seven daughters. He is called the priest of Midian. And some scholars say, well, that Hebrew word could be translated prince, so it just means ruler. Yet, if you look it up in the Bible, you'll discover that his name is Ruel here. He's called Jethro in another area of the Bible. And we see that he is more than a prince. He actually is a priest. Look at Exodus chapter 18. We'll read one verse. The Israelites have come out of Egypt and Jethro comes to celebrate with them regarding their great deliverance. Verse 12, it says, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Jethro was a priest of God. Jethro was a God-fearing priest, the true God, Jehovah. And Jethro offered sacrifices. Moses doesn't realize it, but as he's sitting at that well, God is making provision for his spirituality. He's making provision for his future. And he is going to work out a plan in his life that will be amazing. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 2. In Exodus chapter 2, we learn in verse 16 that the priest of Midian, Ruel, had seven daughters. They came and drew water. Apparently this man has no sons, so his daughters have to take care of his flocks. And the way that that was done, there would be a well that would be a community well that everybody would use. And they would bring up the water in a bucket, then they had stone troughs, they'd pour the water in the troughs, the sheep would drink from the troughs, and that had to be done every day. Sheep had to have water every day. And so these seven daughters of Ruel would come there and lift the water out of the well, put it in the troughs, and their sheep would drink. Now Moses is sitting there at the well, wondering what kind of people live here. All of a sudden, seven women show up. You know he's got to be thinking, hmm, life is a little better than it was a few minutes ago. Well, look at verse 17. Then the shepherds came and drove the girls away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. These shepherds, men, came and drove the women away. It's likely they were in the shadows hiding, waiting until the women had filled the troughs with water. Then they ran the women off, came, watered their own sheep, and then went on their way. They let the women do all the work. They are contemptible bullies. And they represent the worst characteristics of a man. The ladies did all the work by filling the troughs, then the men ran them off and watered their flocks. These bullies are lazy, self-serving, reprehensible individuals. And Moses stood up. Now, a lesson in life. God uses Moses' traits of character to get him where he wants him to be and to do what he wants him to do. How do I know that? Well, we don't know much about Moses now, but we do know this, that Moses is a champion of the oppressed. 
And God left, led him to a situation where there were people being oppressed, knowing it would create a reaction for Moses. And it's so in our lives. We have strengths. We have traits of character. And God leads us through those. And his plan is to take those things and sanctify them to himself. A person may have spiritually the gift of discernment. When they're in the Lord, that gift of discernment is amazing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. When they're not walking with the God, it's just a spirit of criticism. God wants to take our traits of character and sanctify them. Make them holy unto Him. He, he knew Moses' character and He led Moses to an area where things were going to happen. What things were going to happen? Well, think about this. Do you have any idea how many times this scene has been repeated where these women have lifted the water out of the well, put it in the trough, and then they've been run off by the bullies? Do you have any idea how often that happened? I would say every day for who knows how long. What can they do about it? And so they most likely, every day of their lives, they get up and they pray a prayer. Oh, Lord, please deliver us today from those thugs. Please protect us from those wicked men. Please be with us, God. How many years have they prayed that? How many weeks, months? We don't know. But we know they've been praying. And in one act, God will accomplish many things. The women will be delivered. The bullies will be humbled. And Moses will find his future. All in one act. The women, the bullies, and Moses were all just living their lives. None of them realized they are part of a much larger picture. God had a plan. And his plan was to deliver his people. And God was quietly, steadily, and surely working things out to accomplish his will. Praying women, unscrupulous men, and a fugitive of the law all had a role to play. It can be said God had everything under control. He knew what he was doing, and he worked this whole situation out. Moses stood up and helped them and watered the flocks. The loud-mouthed bullies cringed and cowered in the sight of a real man. What is a real man? A real man protects his women. A real man will not abuse them. And the, these guys were cowards, and they recognized it, and they ran. Let's see what happens. Let's see how Moses is thanked and how he's rewarded for what he did for the women. Not only did he deliver them from the bullies, but it says he watered the sheep and watered the girls. He gave water for them, too. Look at verse 18. When they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they responded, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So did they thank Moses? We don't know. Did they offer him anything? No. So what does Moses do? Sits back down. He's got the well. Got nowhere to go doesn't know what to do, 
he sits back down by the well. But dad is going to recognize the girls fell short. Look at verse 19. And they said, or they tell the story, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And then verse 20, so the father said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Now, just because you do something right doesn't mean you're going to be rewarded. It's just the way it is in life. Moses was not rewarded. He doesn't even look like he was acknowledged. He's just sitting by a well until his future father-in-law says, well, go get the guy. Bring him here. We'll give him some food to eat. And Moses finds a wife and Moses gets a life. He's 40 years old. And he's the one that writes the story. And do you know, we will not hear anything more until 40 years pass. He'll be 80 years old the next time we hear about his life. He became a shepherd. And it's probably not the career path he dreamed of when he was going through all the schools in Egypt. He became something he never thought he would be. Why? Because God had a plan. And God was quietly, steadily, and surely working things out to accomplish His will. And that will was the deliverance of His people. I have a question for you. Who are you in this story? Who are you? Are you like the daughters of Ruel, praying for help in some area of your life? Are you like the bully shepherds taking advantage of weaker people? Are you like Moses trying to figure out what you are supposed to do? Well, first of all, let's take on the bullies. If in your life you are taking advantage of weaker people, you are going to be humbled. You will be humbled. God will make sure of it sometime, some way, in His own timing. If you are like the daughters and you are praying and praying and praying for deliverance from something in your life, God will answer that prayer. But he's going to answer it in a way that it not only answers that prayer, but it answers a bunch of prayers and it helps to fulfill and satisfy his will and his plan for your life and for others. Or perhaps you're like Moses don't know what to do with your life. God will lead you ever so quietly, ever so steadily, and ever so surely to work out things to accomplish His will. And number one, His will is your deliverance. And number two, to use you to help deliver other people as well. So what do we do during these uncertain days like Moses was having? He didn't know what to do. Life can be that way. Life can be uncertain. Sometimes we have to plan life. Sometimes life comes to us. And sometimes even when we plan, unexpected things take place. So what is a balance that we can find to maneuver through uncertain times and uncertain futures? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3.
Proverbs chapter 3. It says this, trust in the Lord. Verse 5, excuse me. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. God has a plan for each of you. You might not know that plan now. You don't have to know that plan. What you have to know is God. And to trust God. To give Him your life. Give Him every aspect of your life. To lean on Him, not on your own understanding. And in everything you do, acknowledge Him. And He will smooth the way for you. He will get you on the course He wants you on to fulfill His plan for your life. We all have uncertain days. We all experience that. The question, the question is this. Do we want God's will lived out in our lives? Do we trust Him enough to say, Lord, not my will, your will be done with my life. And I'm wondering today if there's anyone here who would like to say to the Lord, Lord, I know you have a plan for my life. And I'm asking for your will to be done in my life. If you would like to say that to the Lord and you're able to stand, I invite you to stand. Father in heaven, we have uncertain days and uncertain seasons in our lives. But we trust you with our lives. We know you have a plan. And we pray that you will work ever so surely to fulfill your plan in our lives. We give you ourselves and ask that your will would be done. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.